Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Some of it, of course, is so absurd as to be funny. Katya and Luba have done nothing wrong. They're ballroom dancers on a BBC ballroom dancing competition called Strictly Come Dancing. But according to that organ of wisdom, the Sun newspaper in England, they are to be kicked off the show. There they are there. You can see my, why my wife won't let me adopt them. So it's just me, Sergey and Alexander, the meerkats and their little boy, Oleg, that are in our house now. Although, if you're prepared to take a Ukrainian into your house, that's after not being able to spend Christmas with your own parents and being told to mask up everywhere you go, you're now going to get £350 a month. Thank you from the state if you take a Ukrainian into your house, into your spare bedroom. £350 a month will not even pay the increase in electricity and gas, never mind any food that they happen to consume. You're not being paid for taking a veteran off the streets here in Britain or a homeless person off the streets in Britain. You're not being paid to take an Afghan or a Syrian refugee. But as we all know by now, Ukrainians are people like us from a civilized country like us, as opposed to those countries that merely invented the number zero, uh, invented algebra, had street lighting when we were painting our faces blue and living in the forest. You know, these uncivilized tribes that we have been waging war on. In case of Iraq and Afghanistan, total war. In the case of Afghanistan, a 20-year war. And even the poor hirelings that worked for our occupation are continuing to be locked out of access to Britain and the United States and the Afghan people including those that worked for our occupation, are enduring a bitterly cold winter and starvation conditions. There's no one raising a hundred million pound plus for them. There's no one lighting up the Eiffel Tower and Wembley Stadium in their colors. Uh, there are no police helicopters flying overhead in the colors of Ukraine. Brighton are not allowed to wear their away football strip because it's blue and yellow uh, when they weren't away. The way in which this whole Ukraine crisis has been militarized, has been a master class in war propaganda, in war psychosis. Uh, the banning of Dostoevsky, the banning of Tchaikovsky, the Philharmonic Orchestra in Cardiff cancelling uh, their series of Tchaikovsky 
con concerts, even though both Dostoevsky and Tchaikovsky died in the 19th century. What they have got to do with events in Ukraine in 2022 is, of course, absurdly ridiculous and impossible uh, to answer. But that's the kind of world we're living in now. Russian community centers in New York are being attacked. Russians are being told, like Katya and Luba, that they must denounce their own country or lose their jobs. This has happened all over Europe and North America. It has reached the most absurd stage, but the calculation is beginning to come in. I said yesterday, and I stand by it, it's purely anecdotal, not scientific at all, but based on a mass canvas in the city of Birmingham done for the local elections by the Workers' Party of Britain, not only are the working-class people in the estates in Birmingham either unmoved by the government's propaganda offensive or are positively repelled by it, not least because they saw their gas bills and their petrol bills multiplying in front of their eyes even before the war in Ukraine began. And they're well aware that bills that have tripled are about to triple again. And I want to put it to you seriously that bills, cost of living bills in Britain and I think in the United States will very soon become literally unpayable. Your bills will be far greater than your wages, your salary or your benefits. You will not be able to drive your car. We're headed for 10 pounds per gallon. Cutely, they no longer measure the price in gallons. But some of us are old enough to be able to do the maths. 10 pounds a gallon means you can't drive anywhere. Someone like me that drives for work will simply not be able to do so. And of course, public transport remains in a state of shambles. The price of domestic heating, cooking. When the summer comes, the price of air conditioning, the price of aviation, the price of trains. Everything is going to rocket up so quickly and high that it will become literally unpayable. And the jury's out on who the British and American people will blame for that. Joe Biden's clear enough. Uh, this inflation is Putin's inflation. Well, even if that were true and it is not true, the American people may judge, well, there's nothing we can do about Putin, but we can do something about you, Joe, in November in the midterm elections. They may decide in the local elections in Britain. We can't do anything about Putin, but we can do something about the British government that has led us over the cliff after a senile old buffer, Joe Biden, in Washington for no good reason and certainly no reason of national self-interest. And people can see the bills stretched out ahead of them, not just their own personal domestic bills, but the wrecked economy uh, that the great conscious uncoupling with Russia and the East is going to necessarily create. And I want to spend time talking about that tonight. We'll talk about the war, of course. We'll talk about the 200 
foreign mercenaries, that one of the mercenaries, a Brazilian, come all the way from Brazil for $2,000 a day to be a mercenary and had to run for his life. And 200 of his fellows lost their lives in the last 24 hours on a NATO base. Imagine mercenaries, foreign mercenaries on a NATO base. How did they get in? We'll talk about all of that and the war situation itself. But I want to uh, change gear or change direction in terms of what all of this is going to mean. I'm a great believer in the Chinese saying that sometimes the enemy struggles mightily to lift a huge stone only to drop it on its own feet. And I am absolutely convinced uh, that the great uncoupling, uh, the savage sanctions, as they call them, they keep telling you they're not against the Russian people, though they're banning Russian people off the television. They're even banning dead Russians from having their music performed in concert. They are crushing uh, the living standards they believe of the people of Russia. It's a strange way of showing that you've got nothing against ordinary Russians. But what about if it's a boomerang? What about if it is going to hit us much harder than it's going to hit them. It already is. In the aforementioned rocketing price of gas and of petrol and diesel, and that's just for starters. Russia has forbidden the export to a list of countries, you could probably guess the countries, of the raw materials and commodities which they produce in abundance. Russia is the biggest producer of wheat in the world, but none of it is coming to the West. And so the price of wheat is going to go through the roof. The London Metal Exchange had to shut down on Friday uh, because of the collapse in prices of some commodities and suspicious rise in the price of some others because, of course, Russia produces all kinds of vital components of semiconductors and other technological uh, and manufacturing products in the West. The Russians are not just an extraction economy, despite what you've been told. They, they are the biggest producers of nickel, of neon, of all kinds of things that are vitally important in the manufacturing processes, which will now have to either pay through the roof for alternatives, if alternatives exist, or we'll have to stop producing, throwing large numbers of people out of work. And then there's the banking crisis that is rapidly coming down the pipe. Older viewers will know of the crash in 2008 and the devastation and more than a decade of austerity that that produced in the economies of the West. There's another banking crisis coming because the wizards that run our affairs have completely uncoupled Russia from the hitherto Western-dominated banking system. That doesn't mean Russia no longer has a banking facility. It just means they've signed up with the Chinese banks instead. But the consequent de-dollarization between countries like India, Iran, Venezuela, Russia, and China will lead to 
a dramatic fall in the value of the dollar. And the United States doesn't have the domestic manufacturing capacity to actually turn that into a good thing because, like the West of Europe, the United States is heavily dependent even to wipe their backside on products that are coming from the East, which will no longer come. Everything that Russia produces will now be bought by the East. Nothing that Russia produces will be sold to the West. So we've got a manufacturing, an energy, and very soon a banking crisis that will shake Western economies and I think perhaps Western societies to their very timbers. Now I've five times used the word West. It's a misnomer as we, I think, are quickly about to find. Only 10% of the population of the world are Westerners. 90% are not. They're either Easterners, India and China being the most populous of Eastern countries, but many countries of the East, like Indonesia with hundreds of millions of people in their populations, or Africa to the south, or South America to the south, 90% of the world does not live in the West. Just 10% do. And in fact, a staggering statistic is that white Europeans constitute 8% of the population of the world. And only 3% of the children of the world, 3% of the children of the world are Westerners, live in Europe or North America. This great shift, this tectonic shift in power and wealth and influence in the world is going to change everything utterly. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization have you ever heard of it? That's a surprise because it groups together the populations of 50% of the world. It groups together 50% of the wealth of the world. The sun is rising in the east. It didn't have to sink in the west. We could have had two suns cooperating with each other to make each other shine more brightly, but the idiots that run our affairs have decided that instead of cooperation, they want confrontation and they are going to lose it. And they're already losing it right in front of our eyes. Iran last night landed seven missiles on the American consulate in Baghdad, where incidentally every person, Sunni and Shia, is on the side of Russia in this confrontation with NATO. I, I wonder how, I wonder why that happened. Did America respond to seven Iranian missiles landing on their consulate? Of course they did not. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard that fired the missiles said they were firing them at Israeli Bases inside the American consulate. Was that true or not? I don't know. Has anyone responded and explained? 
The balance of power in the world is shifting in front of our eyes. Joe Biden had to send plenipotentiaries to Caracas to beg Nicolas Maduro, the man they put a bounty on his head of millions of dollars, dead or alive, had to send people to Caracas to beg Maduro to up oil production, to stop the rampant inflation in energy prices in the US. It failed, of course. Not least because the United States recognizes someone completely different as the president of Venezuela. Somebody called Juan Guaido, to whom they forced courts all around the Western world to hand over billions of dollars of gold belonging to the Venezuelan people to somebody called Juan Guaido, who's now shrieking, hey, what about me? You're about to find Mr. Guaido, just like the puppet regime in Kabul that fled, as you fled, you're about to find that you, like the Afghan people, were entirely dispensable. You were being used and abused. And the same is true of Juan Guaido. India is being excoriated because it has taken a stand with Russia in this crisis. Most of the African countries abstained in the General Assembly of the United Nations because Africa knows there was never a Russian Congo, there was never a, a, a Chinese Côte d'Ivoire, it was the European countries that occupied and looted Africa even of its people. Russia and China never occupied anywhere in Africa and, of course, in Latin America, where every single country from Mexico down to Chile has as its major trading partner, its biggest trading partner, the People's Republic of China. You won't find any takers, left, right or center, for seeking to gang up on what will now be the center of the world. You can call it Eurasia. Russia will no longer be at the periphery of Europe and the periphery of Asia. It will be at the heart of your Asia. Eurasia is where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. Your children will grow up in a world where not the West but Eurasia is where it all happens. All my children go to Chinese school. It's not too late for you to join in. Buckle up. For the next two and a half hours or more, we're going to be debating all of these issues because this is the biggest political show on the planet. Three consecutive million-plus audiences. And last Sunday's, now topping 1.2 million. So you're in good company here. You're certainly in big company, bigger than any other political show that you have ever We've got heard a poll of. Already running, would the US allow Zelensky to agree a deal with Russia? A, yes, B, no, get voting on my Twitter account, on my YouTube channel, and on my Telegram channel. And now, to our first guest of the evening. He is, quite simply, without peer 
in the United States. He's like me, but he's better than me. And he's been doing this longer than me. He is the YouTube sensation, the one and only Jimmy Dore. Jimmy, welcome uh, to the mother of all talk shows. Wonderful to see two hatted men uh, on the screen. Uh, you and I are about the last men standing. They seem to be shooting everyone else uh, down. What do you account for our success? Well, first of all, I just got to tell you, it is exhausting uh, doing this better than you. Uh, it really takes it out of me. And uh, I'm going to go back to not doing it as good as you. So then you can be the best one. So because uh, you know how hard that is. So anyway, um, um, th they've, they can take me out whenever they feel like it, I guess, uh, because I've had... Uh, uh, threats for YouTube has already had meetings with me and stuff like that. And, and so they've just announced YouTube just announced, uh, the other day, uh, that if, if you trivialize the war that, that, that they can use that to take your channel down. So the point is they can take you down whenever they feel like it. We know that now. And so if you were wondering how they would have censored people uh, during the WMD's Iraq war period, this is how they would do it. They would say, you can't trivialize something. And so they're saying, you. I mean, so I'm a comedian by trade. That's what I've done for the last uh, 25 years. And uh, so I trivialize everything with jokes. That's what they could say. So, they, so at any point they can take you down from. So why they haven't, I don't know. But the good thing is, is I don't need someone to give me a job. So I'm not looking for a job, right? And I didn't come up through the news business or, or the corporate world. I came in through the nightclubs uh, doing stand-up comedy. And uh, so I'm not looking to make friends in this space in, of journalism or news reporting. And so it frees me up to uh, be better than them in a lot of ways that I mean, I'm barely even trying. Well, uh, if that's what you achieve through barely even trying, uh, it's their problem if you really get into your stride because you have specialized in uh, lampooning uh, the pompous and the hypocrites, uh, the, the, the warmongers, the merchants, of war, the masters of war, to use Bob Dylan's phrase. Uh, but they're ruling the world, at least for the minute. I personally think their days are numbered. That much doesn't surprise me, Jimmy. But what surprises me is how the liberals have gone full turtle. Uh, they are now uh, amongst the most belligerent voices to be found anywhere. And they, of course, control big tech. They're all liberals in big tech, and they've turned out to be tyrants more than any right-wing tyrant we ever knew in the past. So, I mean, the way you keep control is you control the narrative. And how do you control the narrative? You do censorship. And how do you sell censorship? You say it's for the people's own protection. It's the oldest trick in the book. Every tyrant does the same thing. And so... You know, who who are you not allowed to criticize is the people who are you uh, rule you. I don't know. Some smart person said that. Uh, and so who aren't you allowed to? And so now they get to decide uh, what's true, what's not. And look at all the things just around the coronavirus uh, that turned out to be false. Uh, that you weren't allowed to question. You weren't allowed to question the if the virus came from a lab. 
You weren't allowed to question if the uh, masks worked or didn't work. You weren't allowed to do all these things. And uh, that turned out you weren't allowed to. So Fauci lies about herd immunity. They lied about ivermectin. They made it seem like it was a horse poison. It turns out to be one of, you know, a Nobel Prize winning medicine. And once you find that out and then you start looking, you find out they're lying about everything. And so, again, we're not a democracy in the United States. So the idea that we are, we're a we're an oligarchy run by capitalists. And so if you see the United States in a war somewhere else, it's almost guaranteed we're there uh, for capitalism. And exactly what's happening in Ukraine right now is about energy and hegemony and imperialism. And, and, and so you only get one side of the story told in American press, and now they're going to make it okay to censor us. By the way, they just Facebook just said it was okay to praise Nazis. They did. They also said, and in fact, the man that signed the memo uh, is in, literally a liberal Democrat. He was the leader of the liberal Democrats in Britain. He was the deputy prime minister for a brief and inglorious uh, period. He actually signed the memo that gave the permission to call for the death of people, Russians, uh, for this limited uh, period. Uh, not a right that's been given to anybody in any other conflict, either one that's still running or has run in the past. This is my point about the liberals. See, in the past, the big moguls that owned the TV stations and the newspapers, the liberals were on our side saying, hey, don't censor us. This is an abuse of your power. But now the liberals are doing it. Well... It's great. Yeah, I agree. It's nuts. Uh, you thought authoritarianism be always equated with the right, but there is no left. See, I've, I've lived in America, but there really is no left in America, especially in, in government. It's two right wing parties and they both are beholden to the military industrial complex, big pharma and big tech. And so they've just farmed out censorship to private corporations. And so now if you say, hey, you're censoring me, they go, no, it's only censorship if the government does it. But I adhere to the principle uh, that came out of the Enlightenment period. You're against censorship no matter where it comes from, whether it comes from the state or it comes from the religion or from a corporation. And so they've just farmed out censorship and censorship. Um, it, it's there ever been a problem that censorship ever fixed? <laughs> well, no. Uh, and of course, self-censorship, what Francis Bacon called the arrow that flies in the night. Uh, nobody ever sees it, but people uh, bite their tongues or stub their finger just short of the keyboard. They don't write or ask questions uh, for fear of uh, the consequences for them. So self-censorship, big tech censorship, and state censorship, because no one can doubt that the state is driving the tech companies to do this. And as I've said, uh, Nick Clegg, Sir Nick Clegg, if you don't mind, is himself a creature of government in Britain and a Facebook executive. So the point you've made too, you alluded to Iraq and then you stated uh, certain contentious uh, positions that you had taken. Uh, over the coronavirus, none of which are contentious anymore. So if I had said in 2003 on Facebook, there are no weapons of mass destruction and this entire thing is a hoax, I would have been taken down and stopped from saying it. The 
questions that you raised about uh, the efficacy of, of things like masks and so on are now commonplace. It's, it's perfectly obvious. You've got politicians in one picture. Let me give you an example. Trudeau was meeting the British Prime Minister in a mask, and in another picture, he was meeting the 96-year-old Queen of England who just had COVID without a mask. And he was hovering like he was about to plant uh, a kiss uh, on the end of her nose. That's how close he was to it. This whole absurdity is now a joke. And if you can't lampoon it, uh, then to what extent are we a free country? So we're not a free. Well, I don't know about your country, but I know my country, we only have as much freedom as the corporation will allow you. I mean, we only have six huge corporations that control all of our media, and they're all funded by the people they're supposed to be investigating and exposing. And that's why a guy, a schmuck like me, a nightclub comedian, can come into their space and do a better job. Right now, if you're getting the news in the United States from the corporate news, which is where everybody gets it, almost, almost, um, then you're being misinformed. You don't know any, you don't know anything about what's happening in Ukraine, really. You think that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin just decided to flip out for no reason and start b b bombing people. You don't know that we helped institute a, a, uh, a coup, a pro-West coup in uh, Ukraine. And uh, eight years ago, we brought in, uh, and then there's a bunch of people in that country who didn't want to live under a coup and they didn't want to go along with that. And so what did the Ukraines do? They got Nazis to start bombing the Donbass and they wouldn't stop for eight years, even though there's an agreement that said they would. And so this, this is, no one's justifying war. I'm anti-war no matter where it comes from. And I condemn Putin for invading, but uh, this was predicted that was going to happen for 20 years because of NATO encroachment. This wasn't predicted by me. It was predicted by former uh, ambassadors to the UN or former people who worked for the State Department. It was predicted by all the scholars who looked into this. So this was, I mean, this isn't, but it's being reported in the United States as if this is all new and it came out of nowhere and that we're at the threat of nuclear war because Putin didn't take his uh, his antidepressant medicine or something. And that's, he, you know, of course, every, every time the United States, by the way, right now the United States is occupying one third of Syria and no one even mentions that. Uh, and and our helping, bombs are raining down on Yemen, the poorest country in the Middle East. Right. We're, so we're not going to get our oil from Russia. We're going to get it from Saudi Arabia so we can have we could feel good about ourselves and sleep at night. Saudi Arabia is committing a genocide right now in Yemen and with our help. And chopped the heads of 81 people in one day yesterday. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Well, it's Eight, always a party. 81 beheadings in a single day. Even ISIS never reached these kind of levels. So we're begging, uh, you know, Biden said that uh, that uh, he, he regarded uh, MBS, the crown prince, as a pariah uh, and he was going to reset America's relations with Saudi Arabia. Now, now he's begging him to take a phone call uh, to up the output of uh, of the oil industry. Just in the time left available, Jimmy, I wanted to touch on something you again alluded to there. And that's the rewriting of history. Maddo, Mad for short, uh, on whatever station she's on, Rachel Mad, uh, on the television yesterday, and a guy called McFall, 
former U.S. ambassador to yes. Moscow. They, they, he said, and then they tweeted, without attributing it to him, so coming from them, that Hitler never used chemical weapons, when in fact he industrially annihilated millions of Jews and millions of others in literal gas chambers. How's that for rewriting history? So they, they've stooped, so to manufacture consent for this war in Ukraine, that's rising, raising everybody's gas prices and they're pretending that we're paying higher gas prices for freedom and liberty. So to stoop to get to manufacture consent in the United States for that, they've stooped now at MSNBC and Rachel Maddow on her show to praising Hitler. That's what I, they're doing. They're praising uh, Hitler. You, you, as you, you but they're, I, used to, I used to do a joke about, uh, about that, about, uh, you know, no matter anybody who tells me I'm funny, I have a soft spot for him. Even if Hitler said, hey, Jimmy, I saw your show last night. It was very funny. I would be like, you know, there's another side to that guy that people really never saw. Well, and that's, that's what, what they doing. did. Yeah, that's what they, they did a literal they joke. Did they did <laughs> and they weren't joking. Uh, speaking of jokes, how, how do you avoid lampooning a guy wandering around in his pajamas in the White House, not safe, not safe with the button on his dressing gown? Never mind the nuclear bot. How do you not lampoon that? You know, uh, like, I, I, like if they can make you, this is the power of propaganda. If they can make you think of Nobel Prize winning human medicine as horse poison, they can make you think the president of the United States is not demented. I mean, the guy gets stuck in a couch three times a day. I mean, come on, how do you write? How do you not? I mean, he can't speak. Everybody knows it. It's like we're all in like this mass hypnosis. We're all pretending the president of the United States is uh, is of sound mind and body. And he's not. He's been AWOL for a long time. Yeah, uh, ask the Pope about the, uh, the famous uh, uh, toilet incident in the Vatican. Jimmy Dore, you're a superstar, and I'm really grateful to you for making time to join with us tonight on the mother of all talk shows. Well, I'm telling you, it's back on you now. You're the best there is out there because I'm pulling back and you, you enjoy it. <laughs> Keep on trucking, man. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, would the U.S. allow Zelensky to agree a deal with Russia? A, yes, 25% on uh, Twitter. No, 75% on Twitter. Yes, 21% on YouTube. No, 79%. And on Telegram, yes, 14%. No, 86%. How extraordinary are those numbers. Now, uh, on this day in 1996, a lone gunman massacred 16 children and their teacher in a school gymnasium. Where did it take place? A. Dalkeith, B. Dunblane, C. Dunfermline. Answer after the break. Comrade, tired of being trapped in mainstream media? Join the revolution with mother of all talk shows has been instrumental in making brain and heart of people stronger, like kettlebell for mind. Don't be brainwashed, CC, and open mind to a new way of thinking. 
If you don't know how, George will teach you. If you won't learn, he will make you. Speak to Comrade Galloway if you think you're hard enough on the mother of all talks. Have something to say? Do you disagree with George? Then call us now and give us your view. The massacre was, of course, in Dunblane. I remember as if it were yesterday. And not all the questions that arose out of that incident have even yet been answered. The files, of course, have been uh, locked away for a very great many years. Social media is enormous. Uh, Shan says, I'm happy that Russia is finally making steps to liberate the Donbass from oppression. Kevin Hughes says, Zelensky is just another Juan Guaido figure. He can't make decisions without his handlers say so. His love and concern for Ukraine is underlined by his purchase of a $35 million mansion in Miami. He'll soon be off to enjoy the $1.2 billion fruits of his labors that are currently squirreled away in the Costa Rican branch of the Dresdner Bank in, America, in Latin America, leaving the people of Ukraine to pick up the pieces. That's pretty good money for a comedian. 1.2 billion. And Gaza West says the US wants another Libya or Syria on Russia's doorstep. It serves their interest to plant some presence in the region to keep pressure on them. And exile uh, says he isn't allowed to do a deal. The US won't let him. The war is a distraction for the US government woes at home. And Global Thumb 37 says, I think the question is, would the neo-Nazis and the right-wing militias allow the Western puppet Zelensky to negotiate with Russia? That's a very good point. It's not just that the US might not allow Zelensky to make a deal, but the fear of literally being murdered by the ultra-right uh, in Ukraine itself might be uh, one of the more powerful uh, dangers. We're going to go to uh, Nottingham in a minute, uh, but one or two more. Javier says Zelensky will agree to a deal. He has no other real option. The US will make anything they can to delay it. Ian Muir says, yes, what options do they have, George? They will have to deal. Life is all about having a deal. The Ukrainian people are prepared to die, but who would allow that and call themselves a leader? And uh, Rosemary Clancy says, no, the world might stand a chance at peace if the U.S. didn't exist. All my life, that godforsaken country has been at war or causing others to go to war with one another. The international community should come together and force it off the world stage. Shall we go to Colin? Colin in Nottingham. Go ahead, Colin. Hello, George. Yes, yes go ahead, sir. I'm, I'm 83 years of age, lived in Nottingham all my life. Okay. And I'm, I'm totally disgusted with my government, Boris Johnson's government, for sending arms and ammunition and rockets to Ukraine that has got fascists and neo-Nazis killing Russian-speaking Ukrainian citizens. Did you ever think, Colin, you're a man of, uh, of years and therefore you lived through the Second World War, did you ever imagine that Britain, which in 1940 stood alone against the Nazi hordes, would end up in 
alliance, open alliance, with the swastika flying, SS insignia wearing Nazis in Ukraine. Did you ever imagine that? The Nazis salute and use the swastika. But at the same time, I refuse to watch BBC News, ITV News and Sky News. Not once since this Ukraine crisis have they mentioned that for eight years, Ukrainian soldiers have been killing 14,000 Ukrainian-speaking people because they speak Russian. They get fined and sent to prison for it. I'm, I'm totally disgusted. Well, that's a very powerful call. It's the call of the night. It's the first call of the night. But I'll not be surprised if it turns out to be the call of the night by the end of the show now. My next guest is Lee Barrett, who's an independent journalist, broadcaster, and above all, perhaps a China expert. I'm glad that Lee can join us now on the mother of all talk shows. Lee, thanks for uh, joining us. I don't know if you heard my opening remarks, but I was essentially saying that in a sense, this Ukraine conflict has acted as the midwife for something new and important in the world, something uh, in which China will become the uh, preeminent force in the world, a Eurasian uh, landmass from Russia to China, but bringing in uh, countries uh, like uh, India, uh, which is a gigantic economy and, of course, the second most populous uh, country in the world. Uh, the tectonic plates are shifting, aren't they? They absolutely are. I mean, um, you know, uh, we, we see just before the Olympic Games that uh, China released a, a statement with Russia to, to sort of talk about how they're, they're, you know, getting a closer relationship on things like that. And that's, that's very much to stand up to what, what they see as the, the bullying of, um, of the US because the, the US want to retain their hegemony and it's causing them a, a huge problem that, that there's an economy that's, well, in purchasing power is already bigger than them, you know, so they, they've um, imposed all these sanctions on China. And, you know, I strongly feel that this whole Ukraine thing is, is just like um, an excuse so they can impose sanctions on Russia as well. You know, uh, yeah, but it's, it's pretty self-defeating, Lee, because, uh, I mean, I've argued this for a long time, uh, that as a matter of statecraft, to drive Russia and China ever closer together to the point where you now could not slip sixpence between them, and that's not mm -hmm. going to change, uh, is, no, no, a, is mean, a piece of madness from a Western statecraft point of view. It's not a mistake that... Brzezinski or, uh, or, or Kissinger ever made. They spent their whole lives trying to ensure that China and Russia were as far apart from each other as was possible. Well, absolutely. And I mean, um, you know, this is almost like the unintended consequences of, of American policy, you know. Um, they, they, they obviously try to split Russia and Europe but in doing that, they push Russia closer to China. And, and I see all these Western companies fleeing Russia. And, and, and the country that's going to fill that gap is, is China, you know? I mean, Russia are energy, energy um, 
sort of stable, they, they produce their own food, they've got no problems there. But there's going to be this huge hole in the market in Russia for consumer goods. Well, who are going to fill that? It's going to be China. And as regards energy, you know, you have the US saying that they won't buy Russian energy. Europe obviously can't because they're dependent on it. But China are able to take all the energy Russia have got to sell and the wheat and the metals, you know. Um, we haven't even seen um, Russian sanctions properly yet. Now, they could really harm Europe. And, and I, I, I see on, on um, you know, social media all these people saying, oh, we stand with Ukraine and X, Y, Z. And yet I just wonder whether they'll still be standing with Ukraine when their household bills are, you know, 200 250 pounds a month higher than they are now i i, I just think you well know, there, they, there they, are there are people a massive own goal yeah there are people whose energy bill is going to be bigger than their monthly income people on benefits for example uh there are going to be companies that have to close because they especially in the hospitality sector so badly hit uh, over the last two years by the covid crisis they simply won't be able to continue uh, there'll be all kinds of people who rely on, on diesel and petrol to move themselves and their goods around that will no longer be able to do it. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I was speaking to um, a friend back in the UK yesterday, and in his area, it's, it's the, the fuel is £1.70 plus per litre. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It is. Um, it's, it's, it's over 170 almost everywhere now, uh, and uh, it, wow. it'll be it'll be two pounds a liter before very long, which is getting on for nine pounds a gallon. If you remember gallons. Now, if I told uh, you or your your dad uh, that petrol would be nine pounds a gallon, he, he would say, I'm sure that uh, well, we'll not be able to use the car. Absolutely. I'm old enough to remember the controversy when it went to a pound a gallon in the UK, a pound a gallon, you know, and now we're at eight and nine pound a gallon. It's just unbelievable. And on top of that, this will add to the cost of the distribution of all goods. So not only companies are going to pay ridiculous amounts for their energy, because, as you know, they are not subject to the Ofcom cap like domestic users. So that the raw materials for, for food is going to cost more. The manufacture of food is going to cost more. The distribution of food is going to cost more. You know, that the, the, the UK and Europe are in for a huge rise in, in food prices because of what they've done. And I honestly don't think, you know, when this, this uh, sort of Russian-Ukraine situation started, it was like a race between the, the US, the UK and Europe to see who could put the most sanctions the quickest. It, it was like a competition between them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't think they thought many of those sanctions through. And what I find amazing is that, you know, Europe are going to come out the worst here, the UK yeah. and Europe. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I feel as though Europe and the UK have been thrown under the bus somewhat by, by the US. Well, they threw themselves under the bus at the behest of mm -hmm. the US. They didn't even have to be forced to. But you're absolutely right. The US is self-sufficient in energy it has mm -hmm. uh, or can be a certain price uh, it has uh, the 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 prairie is an ample source of food but that is not the case in europe 
Uh, absolutely, and 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 I really think that that the, the Europeans and 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 the British have no idea what's coming down the pipeline. You know, they they're all cheering on these sanctions, and and I I just think that that they've really got a, a they're in for a big big shock because of this, and 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 I think they will. Personally, I think they will try to to sort of backpedal on some of those sanctions as time goes on, because I, that that the public are going to be mm. very very sort of angry. Well, Russia might not the allow future. them to. Russia's taking quite a hawkish attitude when McDonald. I mean, the Russian people are going to be pretty healthy uh, from now on, Lee. There's no Coca-Cola, <laughs> there's no McDonald's, there's no Pornhub, and there's no CNN. It's going to be the cleanest place to live uh, in the continent. Um, uh, yeah. So, but as soon as McDonald's pulled out, Russia nationalized all their property uh, and mm -hmm. is uh, giving... I think half a billion dollars to uh, small and medium-sized companies to come up with their own fast food uh, um, uh, industry. That's pretty smart going. Actually, the rate they're going, Russia will be uh, much less capitalist uh, than it was before this crisis began. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Ru Russia... I, I think the West thought the, these, um, you know, sanctions were going to sink Russia in within weeks. And Russia are used to sanctions, you know, they, they've dealt with them before and they'll deal with them again. And, and, and I think they, the, the, the West, have, uh, you know, uh, the, the EU have already said they've maxed out the financial sanctions. Germany have completely shot themselves in the foot. You know, it, it won't be German cars going into Russia, it'll be Chinese cars. It won't be German consumer goods and European consumer goods, it'll be Chinese consumer goods. So I, I really think China are in a very, very strong position to fill that vacuum. And I think it's also interesting to, to cite the phone call that um, Blinken made to um, Wang Yi, the, the Chinese foreign minister. And I, I think he probably wishes he didn't make that call because China firmly told the US that China believes that it was squarely them that created this problem. And you know it's up to them to use diplomacy to sort this problem out. And, and not add fuel to the fire, which is what they are doing. China, China very much sees that the US are just pouring fuel on the flames by introducing more sanctions and, and continuing to suggest they're going to send billions of dollars of, of weapons to Ukraine. China and don't forget the mercenaries, a... Lee. The, these mercenaries oh, yes. are increasingly the way of war uh, of countries like the United States and others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really seems from the actions of, of, of the US that they want to drag this war out for as, as long as possible. And as, as you, um, you know, alluded to earlier, Biden, it's his perfect excuse now to, to hide what the problem is in, in America, inflation. Oh, it's Putin's fault. How the hell is it Putin's yeah. fault? It, it squarely sits well, with, with banking, Biden and this one. Yeah, they're banking everything on that. I myself predict that it will not work. Uh, that people will say, well, well, is it uh, Putin's fault? But even if it is, we can't do anything about him. Uh, but we can do something about you. Uh, and I feel that uh, a, a lot of political turbulence is likely to occur uh, in Europe, in Britain, which doesn't do much in the way of political turbulence, uh, but even in the United States. Now, look, in the time we've got left, I'm fascinated by your story. Uh, you've got 340,000 subscribers. 
and you're uh-huh. in China. How did that happen? How did you get to China? How did you start blogging? And how did you get this enormous audience? Okay, so um, I've, I've been coming to China for, for 15 plus years, and I've lived here permanently for the last four and I started coming here initially on business. I was having products made at, at factories and, and, and I kind of fell in love with, with China. It's, it's an amazing country. And when I moved here and, and as I was going back to visit family and friends in the UK, I saw this massive disconnect from what I was experiencing and seeing in China and what Western media were reporting about China. So we started um, vlogging, um, me and my son, Ollie, uh, we started vlogging about our experiences in China. And the, the Western media picked up on that. And, and pretty much we, we had the Times do um, a, a, an article on us, then followed by the BBC, then followed by the New York Times, all accusing us of, of being paid by the Chinese government to, to say good things about China. And that gave our channel massive exposure and, and, and this, you know, our subscribers mushroom from there. And it's absolutely ridiculous that, that the Western media have this, this view that anybody saying positive or good things about China can't possibly be saying it because that's what they think. They think that they can only be saying that because they're paid to or coerced to. Well, they think think everybody's like them. Uh, They're prostitutes. Uh, They write what their owner uh, wants them to write. Uh, And they think everyone's like that. Absolutely, George. I mean, the the reality of it is we have, you know, much more freedom to report what we want to than most of those people working for mainstream media who have to follow the line of, of what their editors um, and ultimately the state wants them to write. I mean, we've just seen this with, you know, the, 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 the White House have just gathered a group of um, top influencers together to TikTokers. brief them. Yeah, to brief them on their line on the, the uh, Russian-Ukraine situation, you know, so... Who is now influencing the influencers, which is what we got accused of? I'm not sure anybody of an age to be on TikTok is likely to be much persuaded by Joe Biden. I'm, I doubt if he even found the language in which to uh, uh, speak to them. Tell me, how do people follow you? Um, you can go to our channel. If you go to YouTube, just search Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T, and you'll find our channel. Fantastic. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Lee. Thanks very much. Thank and you best, very much, George. Best regards Appreciate to your boy uh, also. Now, in my opening remarks, I talked about how the world was rapidly changing. And there are decades when nothing happens, and there are weeks when decades happen. And in the last couple of weeks, I believe that decades have happened. In one spectacular case... Iran is about to re-enter the world after a long period of atrocious sanctions, savage sanctions, and violent attacks on their scientists, on their military, political leaders, uh, and so on. And of course, the freezing of their assets all over the world, billions of dollars of Iran's wealth have been frozen around the world. They've been cut off from the banking system. They were the prototype for the cutting off of the SWIFT uh, system. And everyone thought that the 
JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, which Barack Obama signed on behalf of the United States, and then Donald Trump ripped up, kicked over the table and walked out. No one believed that that particular Humpty Dumpty could ever be put back together again, but it has been. And our next guest is a specialist, not just on Russia and China, but also on Iran. His name is Pai Ian. He's an independent economic and geopolitical researcher and an expert in geoeconomic trends between East and West for over 20 years. So he's just the man that we want to talk to. And I'm grateful, uh, Pai, for you uh, joining us this evening on the Mother of All talk shows. Speak to the Iran issue first, if you would. Uh, let's assume uh, that uh, the events overnight in Baghdad uh, have not derailed uh, the agreement that appears to be reached in Vienna uh, to reinstate Iran into the world, to lift the sanctions and restart the JCPOA. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, thank you for having me on, George, and it's a pleasure. Um, uh, with regard to Iran, and just very briefly, um, my personal sentiment is that uh, the demands made uh, will, that will be made by the Iranian government will ultimately be deemed intolerable uh, by NATO partners as well as uh, their allies in turn regionally or otherwise. Uh, and that is somewhat reflective of the fact that uh, Iran, along with, it, with its closer Eurasian partners, have again played out what has been happening over the past month or so well in advance, uh, have had their demands acutely prepared with regard to uh, the uh, fallout resulting, and uh, will signal to each other that they're not going to, quote unquote, necessarily sell each other out. So I think it'll be uh, not as simplified as maybe some a transatlantic corporate mainstream press may be making it out to be with regard to Iran as well as Venezuela uh, and others uh, previously deemed as quote unquote rogue nations that all of a sudden now in a 180 degree turn uh, or near that uh, are being considered uh, for a myriad of reasons to be re-engaged with. But I, I wanted to touch base about uh, much deeper risks that are somewhat uh, related to uh, Iran, but more so to 
really kind of verboten issues uh, between East and West. Uh, I traded precious metals commodities, both physical bullion, gold and silver, platinum and palladium, as well as on margin for years. Doing so, uh, one gets a, uh, a very on-the-tracks education or re-education away from theoretical finance and economics because of the finite physical nature of what said commodities are. So uh, there's an aggressive currency war behind the Russia-Ukraine conflict, uh, yet the stakes are so high that neither East nor West want details to be understood by wider markets or the masses. A uh, very little of the $121 billion that Russian entities owe to Western banks is likely to be ever repaid now that war has started and Might unprecedented. Might be repaid in rubles. Well, uh, you know, it's it, that's questionable then uh, with regard to financial institutions uh, and, and their receptivity to non-dollar payment. That's really at the core of what's happening. Uh, these unprecedented sanctions that are applied are, are going to draw into question what the uh, gamesmanship is going to be between not just Moscow, but its tightest partners, foremost Beijing. Uh, as well as the collective transatlantic, certainly financial community. International banks are owed more than that $121 billion amount by the Russian entities per the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland itself, which, as you know, is the central bank of central banks. Uh, and they, the BIS suspended Russia's membership just last Thursday, which is very telling. They're supposed to be you know, the central bank to everything and neutral and in Switzerland. Uh, so the U.S. and European Union have also blocked Russia Russia's central bank from utilizing something like 40% of its $630 billion in reserves. Uh, yet the overall amount of credit exposure that European banks per se uh, could potentially uh, experience is, is uh, imminently devastating in my opinion. One has to ask if these sanctions are purely punitive or if they're actually defensive moves, considering long-standing Russian and Chinese ambitions for usurping the 78-year-old global dollar reserve standard and the 49-year-old petrodollar reserve recycling standard following Nixon's closing of the gold window 51 years ago. I mean, the vast majority of the more than, I think, like 15 trillion with a T dollars worth of reserves held by nations are in paper and digital money, while a much, much smaller amount is held in gold and other investment assets. Yet, the ex with the exception of gold, the other reserve assets are someone else's liability, ultimately, meaning someone like, oh, I don't know, the U.S. Treasury, who can just decide on a whim that they're not worth anything, often in scenarios involving uh, economic or hot wars uh, against deemed rogue nations, uh, can, can throw that at those rogue nations. Now, what NATO allies have done by blocking Russian banks from accessing reserves is demonstrate the actual risk of holding uh, paper or currency reserves for the rest of the world as well. Uh, these risks are driving Russian and Chinese pushes to buy physical money, i.e. gold, finite, physical, limited, uh, tangible metal. You can't just suspend the meaning of money to a nation, especially one with low debt, I mean, endless natural resources, nukes, and rich friends like China, which is further internationalizing its own renminbi currency, mind you. So China will aggressively settle Russian energy trading in its own currency, moving away from dollar dependence, and tie it all to gold uh, in partnership, again, with Russia.
This has been years in the planning. Alternatives to the SWIFT money transfer system will be strengthened as a result of these newer sanctions as well. Chinese-Russian trade settlement in dollars had already dropped from 90% in 2015 to half of that in 2020. Western sanctions will further solidify the Russian-Chinese gold and oil money alliance, if you will. And both Eurasian nations have clearly, again, game played out, war gamed out recently how to speed it all up. Here's the danger as far as institutions are concerned. Kinetic currency war moves faster uh, than what existing financial transaction settlement intermediation chains can keep up with, uh, making it hard to know exactly what and where risk exposures remain in the actual financial system. So domino effects can thus be delayed but still prove catastrophic. Hence why Deutsche Bank stock dropped, not coincidentally, nearly 40% over the past month alone. It's all going to spiral out of control for transatlantic financial institutions and a solvency crisis rivaling 2008's financial crisis will more than likely result at the very least financial contagion can and will spread considering obscene levels of opaque derivatives exposure in the tens of trillions of dollars plaguing the largest bulge bracket banks and the fact that I mean, tactically suppressed gold and silver prices will need to adjust much higher, which in turn will tweak delicately hedged finance across these largest investment banks. Also, and critically, and you know this better than most, Russia and China want the petrodollar standard replaced, but they're not exactly like Iraq under Saddam or Libya under Gaddafi meaning that the military muscle assured 49 years ago for enforcing that petrodollar reserve recycling currency standard will not work this time around. Ukraine's inability to deflect Russian forces is displaying that reality bluntly. You, there's so much in that uh, that we, we could spend the next uh, two hours unpicking it. It was brilliant uh, in the way that you... Uh, toured the horizon there. Let me ask you, uh, as it were, a plain man's question. Why did Russia allow such a significant percentage of its reserves to be in, effectively, Western banks that could be seized, when if you say they've been planning these kind of things for years, and they certainly must have planned this, uh, this uh, Ukraine operation uh, for months at least, why did they not move that substantial part of their reserves out of these Western banks? Questions, and it really speaks to the nature of counterparty risk and the gamesmanship that I referenced earlier. Uh, Russia, China, these ancient nations are used to long games. Uh, as are the wealthiest, most powerful, and most private uh, uh, families, dynasties, and oligarchs out west. And hence, uh, perhaps, uh, the longer game entailed setting placements for uh, assuring a counterparty risk uh, for such a you know, catastrophic you know, event like the past uh, month or uh, accelerating rate of uh, uh, sanctions applied and other measures of currency war applied or of uh, economic warfare or blockades applied, meaning that if you have your pieces set up in the other camps uh, domain, then as I mentioned at the, the outset of the call, um, 
you know, yeah, you, you want to apply sanctions against us? Fine, settle everything in rubles, as you had referenced. Uh, oh, and by the way, you can't do that. Uh, so it will uh, ricochet back uh, against the institutions uh, that carry that risk. Uh, and uh, uh, it was, it's been a very, sh this is the thing that I'm mentioning. It's, it's forbidden from being uh, detailed in a non-opaque fashion, certainly in the financial press. Uh, because, as you know, everything is a confidence game. So if you give indications that actually uh, uh, risk parameters are uh, at uh, an ac exponential level higher than what is, uh, what is being described, even with the volatility within equity markets and elsewhere over the past month, then, you know, why do you think the Saudis, the Emiratis, the Iranians, the Venezuelans, have an, uh, not just an open ear, but a policy receptivity to a non-dollar priced and traded and reserve recycled uh, oil, natural gas and minerals is because they uh, everyone kind of tacitly has an awareness, uh, foremost, including uh, Western central banks and the, and the private banks owning them, uh, that there is a shelf life, if you will, to the dollar standard. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, trying to get out of that standard uh, uh, in a controlled uh, uh, fashion that may or may not include, uh, you know, central bank digital currencies, may or may not include, uh, you know, blockchain platforms for uh, graduating, if you will, away from uh, the post Bretton Woods order. Uh, and that's really then uh, the question of, is the East challenging the credibility of the West to have that sense of graduation away from the post Bretton Woods order? Or are they saying, look, you know, Russia, the first uh, uh, is number one in reserves as far as natural gas in the world, is number uh, two in uh, production. Uh, for oil, it's, I think, seventh uh, in, in reserves and, uh, and uh, second in production. I'm sorry, Russia's first and first in both reserves and production as seventh in oil reserves uh, and uh, and second in oil production. And China, I don't need to tell you about their pr productivity capacity, uh, manufacturing strengths, uh, uh, inherent wealth, uh, ability to innovate rather than just imitate as they had in, in decades prior. So they're legitimately claiming uh, the right to take the baton away from the West as far as establishing uh, the newer monetary order. And that's really underlying uh, the hot war, kinetic war that's happening. Uh, those are the stakes. Uh, uh, but because you know it affects confidence, it could potentially trigger dollar flight. Um, uh, they're expected, you know, it's better to keep them under wraps and just kind of keep showing these images, both again, from the East and the West with regard to Ukraine acutely, uh, as well as these other ancillary states. But uh, expect the stakes, because as high as they are, to worsen e macroeconomically uh, for stagflation to uh, exacerbate uh, transatlantically. Uh, and uh, I only fear that because the stakes are so high financially from the Western perspective, uh, there is an intolerance for allowing, hence the companies, these it claims that uh, there needs to be regime change immediately in Moscow. Putin needs to be assassinated. You know, you, you speak like that, uh, uh, psychologically projecting the level of the stakes involved. And the stakes are not just with regard to, uh, you know, 
violating the sovereignty of nations that the West wants in NATO. They are much deeper, much longer standing, uh, and much more macroeconomic the, in nature. From, from all that you've said, it would seem to me that the prospect of uh, the Russian entities allowing their debts to Western entities to go bad would be the least of the problems. Uh, this truly is uh, the, the apocryphal, uh, perhaps, lifting of a huge stone only to drop it on our own feet. It looks like our leaders have made a gigantic blunder. I, I, it, you could have the smartest minds in London, in Washington, in Brussels, uh, and uh, in Basel. Uh, the, I sense the mathematical inertia of what had initially been set forth inevitably uh, results in uh, 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 some level of uh, insolvency that needs to be addressed in a fashion that in an ideal world, uh, everyone sits at the table and negotiates. But that's intolerable because of wider geo, uh, geostrategic and geopolitical aims uh, by Atlanticist nations. Uh, and hence, I sense the hot war will get much uh, worse uh, because the obedience that is expected out of everybody is being uh, 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 challenged head on by very uh, both economically and militarily powerful nations. And by militarily, I lean more toward uh, uh, the sense that they're nuclear armed, unlike the previously mentioned uh, Libya under Gaddafi mm. or uh, Caracas or Tehran, or uh, certainly the nations that had been occupied just over the past 22 years alone. So uh, uh, calmer heads, adults in the room, if you will, uh, need to really innovate in the sense of how do we avoid global catastrophe, world war, nuclear fallout? Because the, you know, Putin's very calculated. He's not going to just throw out the term nuclear, nuclear and uh, uh, just for gamesmanship, uh, uh, considering his own population, considering the reality of, of responses that could result. But that is, he was essentially outlining his version of the Samson option, Israel's Samson option. You know, Israel wasn't alone as far as like, look, if we face complete existential threats, X, Y, and Z is what we're uh, willing to resort to. And you just had the equivalent, essentially, uh, from the largest nation on the planet, 11 time zones, which is convinced that uh, NATO uh, is aiming not just to encircle it, but ultimately uh, occupy it, regime change it, balkanize it, resource appropriate it uh, to an exponential of what had happened during the Yeltsin years. So it's beyond an existential threat to them. And uh, that needs to be taken very seriously by, I will emphasize this phrase, the owners of capital, the owners of capital transatlantically. And they know who they are and they know what the stakes are. Hi, Ian. I suspect that anyone who watched this interview will never, ever forget it. It's been a remarkable pleasure to hear you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Would the US allow Zelensky to agree a deal with Russia? Well, maybe after that interview, they might. Yes, 26, no, 74. And on YouTube, yes, 21, no, 79. Telegram, yes. 14, uh, should no I take some calls? 80.
John is in Oregon. Let me hear from him. John, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, George. Thank you. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to speak to the very rare individuals in this world who speak truth. Thank you, sir. Most kind. So, George, can you believe, can you believe where we are at today? Can you believe it? It's a bit bewildering, the pace with which it's all happened. Well, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I think that's I've right. Sat, I've sat I here used, uh, I've John, sat here. I used that phrase earlier. There are decades when nothing happens, and there are weeks when decades happen. And we're in those oh, weeks. Yes. We're in those weeks now. Yes, well, it is. And here in America, George, YouTube just announced that they've removed hundreds, hundreds of channels. And I guarantee you, it will not be CNN they remove. It won't be the Associated Press, and it won't be Reuters and MSNBC and ABC. They won't be removed because they lie for, the, for this, this monstrosity that is as America has become. They lie for this monstrosity of war. No, the voices they're going to remove are going to be the people that speak truth, like Glenn Greenwald, Jimmy Dore, people like yourself, George. You know, the American people are so alive here 60 years. I never would have believed if someone had told me 30 years ago. I would have never believed that my country and the pigs who have taken control of it would be capable of such monstrosities as we have seen in these past decades and continuing to today. Uh, Joe Biden is doing his part. He just announced he's going to uh, consider a waiver for the bank credit Swiss because they have 18,000 accounts of people that have been laundering money from drug, from torture, and from murder. And he's going to give them a waiver so they don't lose their uh, trading status. Amazing. George, Amazing. I, I didn't I, know that. I, I don't know I, what's going to happen. I, I, I thought Credit Suisse were uh, headed down the Swanee River. Uh, but he's, oh, he's yeah. rescued them, yeah? Oh, yes. He's going to give them a waiver. YouTube is going to make sure that no American knows the truth, just like that fat pig Pompeo said. Pompeo said to the American people, I've seen him in an interview, and he said that when 99% of what Americans believe is false, then I know I'm doing a good job. Wow. Now, George, he's no I don't longer, know about he's no longer fat. I need to point that out. He's been on some oh, yes, kind he did of lose, diet. He did lose weight. <laughs> yes, he did lose weight. You can put but lipstick I, on I a pig, to, John. Yeah, last one yes, to you. you could put, well, here's what I think, George. I think that my Constitution says in its founding documents, it says that a well-informed public is necessary for our democracy to work. Hence, we have the freedom of the press. Now, when we have the CIA working overtime to make every American so stupid they couldn't find their ass with both hands, then that, to me, George, sounds directly like treason. When powerful, is the American people powerful. going to realize? Powerful, when powerful are the American stuff, people... John. John, thanks uh, for that. Richard is in Mansfield. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, hi, George. Um, you know, we are a Russian East European delicatessen. Based in Mansfield, we have an online site which serves Russian and Eastern European products. And we have been hit by an immense number of hate crimes over the last three weeks. Wow. 
the, I mean, many, the Americans are sounding very angry uh, tonight, uh, but the English have every reason to be sad. And what you've just said is a pretty sad story, Richard. How long have you been in business? We've been in business, George, for 16 years. Uh, on, above our shop, we have Russian Eastern European delicatessen, of which most probably only 5% of the products are actually uh, made in Russia. Um, and we have had some horrific hate crimes saying that we're going to burn your shop down, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It's horrific, George. I never expected that here, did you? No, absolutely not. Never. And, and it's astonishing, the narrow-mindedness of, of, of the people that ring up. But having said that, George, that the police have been immensely great all the way through this, and they hate this hate crime. And they've been great all the way through. Has anyone been captured for it? Any arrests? Not, a, not as I'm aware, George. Not as I'm aware at this moment. But they and what will. About your, uh, what about your business, your takings? Have they <laughs> gone down or? <laughs> well, quite phenomenally, George. They've actually gone up. Yeah, you it's see, this, uh, this squares yeah. with my instinct. You know, I've been yeah. around a very long time. I can sniff the air rather acutely. I've been in this movie before, uh, more than once, but in particular at the time of the Iraq war. I know when an atmosphere is beginning to change. And in the last uh, few days, both from my own experiences uh, and the experiences of uh, uh, friends and colleagues of mine, and now from your anecdotal evidence, uh, that actually all is not quite what it seems. The anti-Russian hatred on one level is mass, of course. Uh, it would hardly be otherwise given the effort that's been put into it. But a significant number of British people are not persuaded. Uh, George, absolutely. And the rhetoric of the media, the newspapers and everything are fueling this all the way through. And it is the locals that are giving these threats. And a month ago, a lot of the northern people, and any people, most probably didn't even know where Ukraine was geographically. No, no. And then even all now of a sudden, don't. Even now don't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly, George. Well, I'll and, tell you what, you Richard, know, I'm going to uh, ask my wife to buy something now from your delicatessen. Everyone else, I hope, will do the same. Uh, what's your, uh, how do we find you online? Russian Food Online. Google it. We're there. BabushkaDeli.uk. We're there and, 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 and we're thriving. We'll George, be there. Please. <laughs> we'll be there also, Richard. Thanks for that call. There is no trick other than hard work, creativity, care, and recognizing that duty is more important than love. The booming voice of Robert Maxwell, an arrogant man who used his publishing empire to gain him power and influence. But in this shocking account, never told before in this way, George Galloway recalls his first encounter with Maxwell. It looked like a grizzly bear uh, advancing towards me and punches me with these giant fists 
like sides of ham right in the solar plexus. So hard that I literally bent double. Then, after George exposed Maxwell as a crook in Parliament, it was war. Every one of his papers, the Daily Mirror, then following the Sunday Mirror, the Sunday People, the Daily Record, then a few days later, the Sunday Mail in Scotland, even the European, which he then owned, all over Galloway. Scottish Daily News journalist Ron Mackay was there. Every night, presumably when he had a drink in him, he would boom over the tannoy about the the, 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 the cretins, the fools. The, the majority of the workforce believed that he would take it over and their jobs would be secure. But of course he didn't. He just disappeared. And then... The millionaire newspaper publisher Robert Maxwell is dead. What really happened? Did Robert Maxwell jump or was he pushed? It could be that he went out to, as he did, miturate over the side of the boat. I'm with Ghislaine Maxwell in that I lean towards the murder. This is Maxwell, the monster. You said, what is my secret? I will let you and your viewers know what it is. I'm not attached to property. Consequently, losing or gaining, it means nothing to me. That went out first, that... Uh, little mini documentary on Robert Maxwell uh, on my Patreon channel. It's full of fantastic uh, content with much, much more coming. A football podcast, Desert Island Discs, though we'll need to find a new name for that, and so on. Uh, but of course, it includes the Maxwell, the monster. Now, let me take a minute to say something to you. We talked about it with uh, Jimmy Dore. Uh, why have they not taken me down when they have taken so many others down? Well, it's, first of all, not a small thing to take me down. Uh, first of all, I was almost 30 years a member of the British Parliament. Uh, it would be quite a step uh, to strike out uh, a veteran British parliamentarian. Secondly, I'm the leader of a British political party, the Workers' Party of Britain, a registered party. I stand in parliamentary elections. I, uh, did rather well in a parliamentary by-election in the summer of last year. That would be quite a big step to uh, strike out uh, a leader of a British political party. And uh, I have literally millions of followers. My, my Facebook following has gone up 100,000 in the last 15 or 16 days. Uh, I have, I have uh, 2 million, easy. Uh, followers uh, on all platforms. So that's quite a big thing to do, to knock out uh, someone with that level of following. It would not be cheap uh, in terms of public relations, politics, and the consequences would be something more than the striking out of others would be, is all I'm saying. So that's why I really have to put it to you. First of all, if I were taken off Twitter, how would you know what I was saying? Well, when it comes to tweets, you'll be able to do that through my Telegram channel, t.me forward slash George Galloway. So please, if you haven't done it yet, follow me on Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway. But let's say, God forbid, 
Let's say I was taken off Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. How would you watch this show? You wouldn't be able to watch it. You won't be able to watch any of the videos that I uh, am putting out that are attracting hundreds of thousands of... I've got clips with two, three hundred thousand views uh, arising out of these shows. But if the show didn't go out, you couldn't get the clips. So if you want to be sure of hearing me, seeing me, my videos, this show, you're going to have to follow me on Patreon. It's a pound a week, that's all. A pound a week. It's less than the price of a cup of tea in a calf. A pound a week, and you can stop at any time that you like, and you'll be getting loads of content on it. So I need you to follow me on Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. On the poll, we're breaking the record every week now, 8,825 people have voted. Would the US allow Zelensky to agree a deal with Russia? Roughly speaking, three quarters of the people say no. And on Telegram, that figure is 86%. We've got the highest number of calls that have come into the show. And although the show is not even yet finished, never mind a week old, we've got a record audience. So thank you very much indeed for uh, being with me. Some news from the podcast. Uh, believe it or not, <laughs> in the past week, we've had our biggest numbers yet. February's download total has already been smashed, which means we've been in the political top 20 in the UK, Ireland, Spain, Italy, India, Russia, Denmark, Cyprus, Hungary, Qatar, Poland, Portugal, Nigeria, Egypt, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Argentina, Singapore, Sweden, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Israel. And we are still number one in Ghana, Oman, Namibia, Ecuador, Slovenia, Zimbabwe, and Malaysia. So remember, subscribe to this podcasting phenomenon uh, like so many thousands uh, around the world and give us, please, uh, a good five-star review. This is from Ali. Uh, I'm not sure which country. Can't praise you enough for bringing the reality to us and for educating us. One of my main reasons for buying an iPhone was to follow your podcasts on here. I respect your hard work, sir. I salute you. Much obliged to you for doing such great work in this day and age when mainstream media is so biased and unfair. Love you, brother. Regards, Ali. Five-star review, Ali. I'm very touched uh, by that. Thank you very much. We've got one uh, uh, listener in Uganda. I think he's a Scottish fellow. He's certainly British, who's living in Uganda and working there and in a village. And I know this sounds as if it can't be true, but it is. A group of the people in the village gather round on a Sunday to listen to the mother of all talk shows in a village in Uganda. Let's uh, go back to the calls. It's your calls now, right to the end of the show. I was insisting that the maximum number of you must get through. Martin is in County Durham. Go ahead, Martin. Hello, George. Nice to speak to you. 
Thank I'd you, like sir. to put my name forward for the next president of the Ukraine. It must be the best paying job of all time. 1.2 billion offshore account and a 31 million dollar home in Florida. How do we actually know that number, Martin? People say it was in the Pandora Papers. Is that right? That's what I've heard, George, yes. Yeah, we better actually just check that that uh, number is right. It's almost impossible to believe that a comedian yeah. that's only been president for two years, for a couple of years. could have yeah. $1.2 billion in the bank. Yeah. If anyone's got, got uh, further and better particulars on that, it would be good to uh, hear it. Martin, it's not a great yeah. line, but a good call. Thanks for oh. making it. Paul is in Ottawa. Paul, go ahead. Thanks, George. Uh, I just uh, talking about uh, being a Canadian. I just want to talk about our uh, beloved Prime Minister, sarcastically. Um, now, before he was even Prime Minister, I just want to bring up an action that he actually showed his true colours, and nobody should be surprised about uh, his political stance on anything. Uh, Parliament was attacked uh, in 2014 by a homeless nutter, um, killed a soldier, uh, lost his life in a shootout. Immediately, they, now, he, he just happened to turn Muslim, so as a caveat, and he had made some statements or some sort of manifesto that uh, he supported the jihadists, but he was never affiliated with anyone. He was literally a lone nutter. Right away, uh, Harper was ruling at the time. Um, Trudeau was newly, uh, not, not long leader of the opposition, and uh, they said, this guy's a terrorist. We have to make legislation. And they came out with this Bill C-51, which is basically our version of the Patriot Act. Um, it was met with high, oh, my God, we gotta, we got to stop the terrorists. But it started to wane support as they started reading what it was, because it basically takes all rights away from any citizen just by labeling you a terrorist. Yeah. And that's a really, really slippery slope. So it is, and you know, uh, and Trudeau is skiing down that slippery slope with such alacrity. It makes you wonder if he ever really was a liberal. Oh, he never was, and you know what? The whole idea of the left and right—we we have the same problem. The uh, liberals and the conservatives are uh, two cheeks to the same backside, as you like to say. Um, we used to have an NDP that was strong. Jack Layton, just as a caveat, uh, when this all happened, he stood up and said, this is not a terrorist act. This was the act of a lone nutter. We have laws that can stop this kind of stuff. We don't need to, uh, we don't need to go down this path. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away. I, I believe he would have ruled us if he had lived, but... You know, life goes on. and Well, left and right and, uh, are becoming increasingly meaningless in this uh, context. I've been speaking over the last uh, 24 hours to some people that would be described as uh, being conservative figures, figures on the right of British politics, about the need for a liberty alliance, an alliance for liberty, to defend free speech, to oppose state and big tech directive, diktat, as to what we can watch, what we can say, what we can read, 
oppose the increasingly authoritarian restrictions on our ability to, to have demonstrations and protests and the cancel culture, uh, which is at risk. I just gave a little homily there a few minutes ago about the danger of me, a near 30-year parliamentarian, being taken off uh, social media platforms, leaving millions of followers uh, saying, why, where is he, what happened? Uh, you never would have believed, uh, Paul, that this kind of atmosphere could, could escalate so quickly. Well, exactly, and you know what? I hope you're right, and I hope that you're, because you are such an outstanding figure and, and have been around for a very long time, you've never wavered on any of your core points. Uh, you have wavered a few times when it wasn't, the things that aren't important to me, but on the, on the big things, you will uh, stand your ground, and uh, that's, that's uh, admirable. But I think a guy like Jimmy Dore is another yeah. huge, I'm a huge We should fan. make it transatlantic. And we should have a Liberty Alliance that stretches from Britain to Canada to the United States and anywhere else that people are uh, interested in. I'll report back more on that, Paul, next time. Uh, thanks very much for a wonderful call and for your kind words. Philippa is in Bristol. Let's hear from her. Go ahead, Philippa. Yes, hello, uh, George. Thanks Hi. for having me on. Welcome. Um, yes, I just want to know why, um, the, why the media has, has not asked uh, the U.S. why, why um, there, should, there obviously was um, gain of function going on in Wuhan. Why wouldn't it have been going on in Ukraine as well? That's a, that's a very simple connection to make, but nobody's made that connection. It's, it, we know it. gain of function is basically a way of getting to bioweapons. There's yes. a very fine distinction between biodefense and bioweapons. In fact, the only way to, it's distinguished is if the lab says, we're doing biodefense. Exactly. It, doing it's, uh, it's pure sophistry. If you are working on defending yourself against bioweapons, you are developing the very agents uh, that uh, can, uh, at the flick of a switch, the click of a finger, become a bioweapon. Exactly. And that's why there's been some, some restrictions on gain of function. But why, if we know they, did, they funded it in Wuhan, and that's a fact now, we know they funded gain of function in Wuhan, why wouldn't they have done that in Ukraine as well? Why don't they make that connection in the media? Well, that, uh, of course, falls into the category of why would they? Uh, the media is a fully militarized part. I mean, they're not all getting a salary from the 77th Brigade, but they might as well be, uh, because <laughs> they are all fighting as they were members of the 77th Brigade, fully paid up British soldiers with typewriters, <laughs> with computers and with uh, radio and television microphones. Uh, there's, I think, never been a moment where uh, the media has sunk almost completely, I, I'm almost going to say absolutely completely, uh, to the occasion. Mm. They have uh, betrayed mm. the trust of everybody going back uh, many years. And of course, poor Julian Assange, the only journalist amongst them, is languishing in Belmarsh jail. Philippa, thanks for the call. Lee is in Harrow. Uh, let's hear from her. Go ahead, Lee. 
Hi, George. Great show tonight. Thank again, you. It's cracking, again. yeah. It is, it is. Listen, I, I don't even know where to start. I, no. I have actually, <laughs> given that we're in the middle of a war, I can't stop laughing because I just think this is beyond parody now. Um, I saw a post this evening. I don't know if it's true or not, but it was a blog somebody would written with a sign <clears throat> which says that in New York, there's a sign outside a cafe where the owner of the cafe is asking people to prove their allegiance to Ukraine well, by showing true. them social media posts before they can that's come true. in. That's true. Proof of support of Ukraine must be shown before you can go into that restaurant. I just, I mean, I just think this is like a comical, you know, it's just like, I, I, I'm lost for words. Do you think they've at, maybe gone happened? too far though, Lee? Do you not think oh, that, on, that people, George, people think... will start smelling the coffee here? Do you know what? I think most people are starting to smell the coffee. What happens is if you go into any kind of sales pitch, and you push too hard, literally in someone's face, take away all alternatives, which is what, which is what the, the media are doing here, you know, cancelling RT and pushing this so hard in our face that people are thinking, no, I'm not buying it. You've got, you've got you know, history. You've got form on this with Iraq and Libya and everything else. But there are still the odd one who are like all, you know, um, this is nonsense. We, we, are, we, you know, Putin's the big bad wolf. And there are those that no matter what evidence you put in front of them, I was just speaking to somebody actually on Twitter, and he just doesn't believe there's any labs and there's any basis. There's no NATO bases there. There's no labs there. And it's like no matter what article or what you show him. No, but no, they just bombed true. a NATO base today and we're I all know. being told how dramatic an escalation <laughs> it is. How, why is there a NATO base inside Ukraine? Why? It's not in Ukraine. Why would you have a NATO base in it? No wonder Russia is worried about the encroachment of NATO. You've got bases there already when it's not even in NATO. It, it isn't. And you know, the, the example I always use is, let's say Iran put um, bases at, at the foot of America on the border of Mexico. I'd imagine. like to see how America would have done. Can imagine. you imagine? Can you imagine how they would have dealt with that? It's actually comical. Iranian, Iranian biolabs uh, just over the Rio Grande. <laughs> over to you, President Biden. I mean, you've only got to state it to see oh, how ridiculous stand it is. Up and say, yeah, he would probably stand up and mix all his countries up and not know where Mexico border was and who Iran was. Yeah, and probably if he say could, Iraq if he could stand up. Uh, Jimmy was saying <laughs> exactly. earlier, he gets stuck on the sofa three times a day. Anyway, last word oh, to you, Lee. Yeah, let me just ask you one question, George. So in my opinion, I think Zelensky's lost this already. I think he's going to have to sign the peace agreement. I don't think he's got a choice. I mean, he has lost this as much as they've given him. You know, what they've done to him is what they did to the nurses here through the pandemic. Applaud them like heroes and give them a proxy 1% pay rise. They've applauded him like a hero, said they'll give him, you know. The, they, they the freedom of the city Knight of Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't even get you a bag of chips. <laughs> but they've not given him any support. So in my opinion, he has lost this already. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling the war will be over by next Sunday, but... Uh, uh, and, and I very much hope that it will be, uh, but I do think that events are escalating uh, very rapidly indeed. And the, uh, if, if the Ukrainian government doesn't sign a deal quickly, there'll be no deal left to sign. There'll be no Ukrainian government left to sign it. And that would be a, a great pity. Thanks, Lee. Uh, let's go to no. New York. Melvin is in New York. Go ahead, Melvin. Hello, George. First of all, I'm a big fan. Been Thank watching you. you for a while. Thank you, sir. Um, 
first time I ever called, though. Thanks. Uh, the, uh, in the 20th, it states, uh, it, you could Google it, in Georgia, Georgia's planning to hold a uh, NATO, you know, kind of like they did before all this started with NATO in, in Ukraine, you know, the uh, military practices and all that. I'm wondering what your opinions on are with that. Do you think that'll escalate things even farther? There's a real danger uh, of uh, Georgia being dragged into the conflict, Ditto Moldova, uh, over the breakaway uh, territory of Transnistria. Uh, there's a real danger that uh, this will spill over, yeah. Okay. I was... <clears throat> Open for your opinion on that. I'm well, NATO, that I got it. NATO already, uh, sorry, Georgia already has uh, two breakaway areas, uh, uh, Abkhazia and South Ossetia. Uh, Moldova has a breakaway province called Transnistria. You see the pattern here. Uh, the, yeah. the selling of the country to NATO by one part of the country, the resistance to it from another part of the country, it's pregnant with uh, very, very frightening dangers, Melvin. Yeah, I was wondering that myself, but I, I just needed to hear from somebody who might know a little more about it. Uh, I, I thank I, you for that. I, 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 I know quite a bit uh, about Georgia. Uh, I've been there many times, uh, in former times, uh, but uh, uh, I do worry about it. Uh, there is, uh, if this doesn't end with an agreed... Uh, an, an, an agreement in Ukraine, uh, then there will be no reason for Russia, having been hit by these now uh, earthquake sanctions, to stop there. Uh, I don't think that they'll go into NATO countries, the Baltics and Poland. I don't think that will happen at all. But areas that are not in NATO may find that they meet the same fate as Ukraine because Russia feels that it's only a matter of time before Georgia uh, tries to join NATO and NATO allows it to join. And then you've got exactly the same situation as we've got in Ukraine. The uh, fear of U.S. nuclear bases minutes from, uh, minutes flying time from, uh, from Russia itself. You, it's always important, Melvin, to be able to walk a mile in the other guy's shoes. Uh, to know yeah. how it looks like from his side of the telescope. Thanks a lot, my friend. Very good of you uh, to call. Uh, how's that? That poll's nearly at 10,000, is it? No, 9,112 people have voted in the poll, and there's still 35 minutes uh, to go. So, uh, as I said earlier, we've got a record number of viewers on all platforms and a staggeringly high volume on calls. Thank you if you've called in or have tried to call in. The lines have been rammed for the last uh, two hours. We've also never had so many votes on the poll. So a plea, if you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe to stay in touch with us and get notifications when we go live on air. Search George Galloway on YouTube to find me. We've got over 10,000 votes cast now. It's the very, not just a record. Over 10,000, it's uh, out the park. Let's get uh, to the next call. It's in Wales, in Neath. It's Liz. Go ahead, Liz. Liz, are you there? Hello there. 
Yes, nice to hear from you. What would you like to say? I'm reading about Sean Penn, George. Uh -huh. He's been filming in the Ukraine. Has he? And he's interviewed President Zelensky. Uh huh. And um, I saw a clip on YouTube with him chatting to John Stewart of CNN, and he described Zelensky as uh, he said he felt he was in the presence of greatness, and this this guy would go down in history as a great man. And I thought. It didn't sound like Sean Penn, but that's what Well, Sean said. Penn has, politically speaking, been going off the rails for uh, quite a long time. Uh, I once had very good, friendly relations with him. I was his guest in San Francisco. Uh, we went uh, together to Beverly Hills. We met Sean, uh, introduced me to Warren Beatty and Annette Benning and their children. Uh, and uh, I thought he was a friend for life, but that didn't turn out to be uh, true. But to describe being in the presence of greatness, a guy, a comedian, who had a sitcom in which he becomes the president, who then becomes the president, and who leads Ukraine into its current disastrous, parlous situation, if that's being in the presence of greatness, then I'm afraid Sean Penn has completely lost the plot. Yeah, I was quite shocked when I saw, saw the clip, yeah. I must say, because I thought he was in line with himself. But, uh, well, once upon a time, but uh, people change, Liz. Just, yeah. just thee and me that never change. Thanks for the call. Yes. Uh, John is in London. Go ahead, John. Hi, George. Good Hi. evening. Good evening. Yes, um, I feel like in... In the since the Russia and Ukraine um, invasion has begun, I feel like you've only been given only a particular. You've, the, the guests you've been, the people you've been inviting to speak, have mm. only been speaking from one side. Which your, as you say, your show is about being educative, and you don't want to repeat the same thing that. So that go, happened. go on, John. You uh, redress the balance. Yes. No. So well. What I'm trying to say is, for most of your shows, oh, okay, well, I can I can redress the balance. But my point is, for for when you invite people to speak on your shows, it will be good to have people from both sides speak. So well, that way, it does. Uh, first of all, there's a lot of people uh, with the alternative point of view to yes, mine. I, hold I on, agree. hold on, I, uh, who yeah. won't come on this show uh, because they're not confident to debate with me. Uh, but secondly, they're on all the other shows, on all the other channels. You're exactly. supposed well, to be coming here, I thought, uh, coming here to hear the alternative point of view. Because well, you're hearing the Ukraine side on every television, every radio, and in every newspaper. Can't you see? Yeah, I, I, I get that. But as you say, you're, 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 you are supposed to do you are supposed to be doing opposite of what's not happening on mainstream media. So if you are now giving just one opinion on I'm giving just my your... opinion. I, I, I'm not, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not uh, impartial in this. I'm giving my no. opinion. I have I no I, idea. I, I have no idea what the callers are going to say or what the guests, or what the guests I'm, are I'm, going to say. But, but, what I'm, but, but what I'm trying to say is, but clearly you can invite, you can invite guests that will speak on both sides. Does that mean it's... It becomes a debate rather than just a narrative. Well, which I under 
which I understand what you said that happened. John, it's stereo, unfortunately. Out of one speaker, which is a giant speaker, the size of of uh, uh, of the moon, uh, yes. which is blaring out war propaganda uh, all over the world on all media, and there's little me on a shoestring, which I have to put together myself now, if you uh, need to know that, uh, and pay for myself now, uh, giving for three hours the alternative point of view. I thought you'd value that. I'm sorry that you haven't. Mark is in Birmingham. Uh, let's uh, go with him. Mark? Mr. Galloway, thank you. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. And you, um, sir. <laughs> you, you've just basically knocked my, the, the first point I was going to make um, out, out, out of the park because I was going to say that you should perhaps show a bit more grace to those uh, you accuse of cowardice and, and not actually speaking with you um, and who, well, you've actually shown a lot of grace for the last caller. Um, right. The, the first time I came across you was a few years back when you had a studio audience of the public um, standing Hong Kong's corner about the riots. And the mainstream propaganda at that point, and uh, if it were not for the Euro Ukraine crisis now, would still be fully anti-China and, and fully blasting that way. So I have, I am absolutely not surprised at what is happening now regarding the Ukraine situation. Um, for many of your listeners, they will be surprised that uh, that kind of propaganda does exist. Um, and that the false narratives and the lie, lies, etc., are being pushed. Um, so now I'm grateful that uh, they can perhaps think twice about what they what they hear. Here's hoping. Um, but my question, my question is, uh, since the dissolution of the USSR and Axis, what is the purpose of NATO? Well, uh, quite uh, a lot of people think that NATO was set up in response to the Warsaw Pact, but in fact, NATO was set up five years before the Warsaw Pact, so it's the reverse of that. But once the Soviet Union collapsed and all of its uh, allied states in Eastern Europe uh, overthrew uh, the socialist governments that they had and became fully-fledged independent capitalist countries, uh, it would seem to me that the existential ideological confrontation that had led to the development of NATO uh, disappeared overnight. And indeed, the meaning of the promise given by Warren Christopher and James Baker on behalf of the US government that the NATO would not advance one inch, that's what they said, not one inch east of eastern Germany, uh, that was, in a way, the meaning of. The meaning of that was, in a way, uh, that uh, the efficacy, the need for NATO had effectively disappeared. But uh, you know what it's like, I'm sure, Well, that's Mark. proven to be a lie. Uh, a a and, very and big so, lie. And institutions yeah, I, I, look for a role, don't they? Uh, NATO, and uh, Donald Trump said this, that, the, that NATO's uh, an institution looking for a war to justify its own existence. Well, it, yeah, but I mean, can you imagine if, if Ukraine was absorbed into NATO um, strategically and uh, 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 security-wise, for China, that would change the posture 
because that is also a step nearer to their border. Yes. Um, so that would surely it can never happen. Big... Uh, I think that's the point and the meaning of this war, Mark. No, uh, no, this Russia, just, uh, Russia, this yeah, yeah. Russia uh, told just, everybody. This... Russia told everyone unequivocally, we will never allow Ukraine to join NATO because. That is an existential threat to us on our own border. It is a dagger. Yeah, uh, my, my, pointed my point, right at our heart. This is the short-sighted nature of NATO and the U.S. thinking. They yeah. think in three-year terms of presidential whatever. Yeah. Because if, that, if that's what they're thinking, they didn't think further than that. That that would cause perhaps an, um, an alliance between Russia and China if, yeah. if they succeeded. Well, um, and that is, I mean, of course, what's uh, like happened. I need to go, Mark, because of the hour. Uh, you're a clever man. I'd like to hear from you again. Thank you for that. Uh, William is in Montana. Go ahead, William. Hello, George. Uh, first thing, let me say it's, it's just an absolute honor to, to speak with you. Thank you, you sir. Uh, and I'd also like to say I'm getting a little paranoid. Uh, you know, I'm 68 years old. I'm one of those people that's just crammed into a corner economically here in the US. I mean, I just received an $85 bill, as a matter of fact, and it's just, you know, it's like devastating. $85, and it's going to be devastating. But let me go on here. Uh, when you and uh, you were talking to uh, Jimmy Doran said you're a couple of the last, you know, last, last people. men standing, and, and, yes. And, and that is getting scary. Um, I RT America was such a beautiful uh, program. That's the best uh, program that's been on as far as like news and, and information, the, possibly in my lifetime. And the people that, that rant about it and say Russian this and whatever, they never watched it. it it's obvious. It was so varied. It, it had such great variety, such great people, knowledgeable people. Um, but, but you've gone over most of this. But I cannot believe, like I said, I'm 68 years old, and I cannot believe the amount of control and the takeover that has happened here. Do you know that I, there is absolutely no media form of news that I can get, and even now thumbing through my computer to find something that I think is going to be neutral or even show me anything uh, from the the other point of view i can't even find it and it's just it's stunning to me sir it is stunning and and when you look at how long this could possibly have been being set up you know with the big tech big tech's a huge player that's getting this done um but you know and right now i think this was planned sir <laughs> here's one of those conspiracies i'll throw out for everybody uh this was a process because they forced uh, Putin into this, in my opinion. I don't care if anybody shares it or not. Uh, but I think, I believe this was planned for Hillary about a year after her coronation, and that didn't pull off the way they expected. So they spent four years lying to us with Russiagate to exactly. set up the world thinking that Putin is the devil. Uh, William, uh, unfortunately, I need to go, and I'm very sorry about that $78 bill. Uh, it's heartbreaking the way you put that. But you're absolutely right. The whole Russiagate was all a preparation for this. Maybe we'll explore it next week. Well, it's been marvelous for me. I hope it was for you. I hope to see you again on Wednesday 
for the moats extra, but I can't guarantee it financially at this point. I'll stay in touch. Follow me on all my platforms, please. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 